0: Good morning, Mount Perrin, North Canton. It is good to see you. For those of you that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker and I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin, North Marietta and Canton campuses, and it's good to be with you. I'm usually out here once a month, but last month, the Sunday I was to be here, my wife and I were actually in Israel leading a study tour of about 35 folks, so it's good to be back home, and it's specifically good to be back here with you. And I want to congratulate you one week later on 100 Sundays at Mount Perrin North (laughs) Canton campus. I believe the success that we have experienced over the past 100 Sundays goes to two things. First and foremost, to the glory and the goodness and the greatness of God. Amen. Go ahead. Give him praise. Absolutely. The second thing is to the dedicated, committed, wonderful volunteer servants that we have here week in and week out. If it weren't for you and for God, we're not here. So thank you for your dedicated service every week. Yeah, give yourselves a hand as well. So now congratulations on 101 Sundays. Sunday's. And I can't think of a better way to kick off our next 100 Sundays together than to talk about Thanksgiving. At Mount Perrin North, Merida Campus, Canton Campus, we're all about helping people live a Christ-centered life. And one of the great Christ-centered qualities anybody can have is that of gratitude. And as we head into Thanksgiving coming up in the next couple of days, let's talk about Thanksgiving a little bit. If you happen to have a Bible, either old school in genuine leather or new school on some type of electronic device... Turn to 1 Thessalonians, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians is in the New Testament, towards the back end a little bit, right after the book of Colossians, right before the book of 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at three uh, just small little verses, actually focus on one of those three verses, verses 16, 17, and 18. And I simply want to talk to you today on a message entitled, Always. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you that you are a faithful God. And Lord, now I invite you as your spirit is moving in us to continue to do so as we look at your word together. God, I pray that you enable me to share this the way you want it shared. I, I'm not here to perform. I'm simply here to be used of you in whatever way you would deem necessary to bring your word this morning. Let it speak to our hearts, but even more so, may it change our lives for your glory and honor in Jesus name. Amen. My birthday is April 15th. Now that day ought to ring a bell in everybody's ears. It's income tax day. Not only that, it is the day the Titanic sank and it is the day that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. So I got a lot going for me on my birthday. So on this particular birthday, my parents decided to give me a surprise birthday party and they truly surprised me. I had no idea This was happening. I step into the room. About 40 or 50 people. Yell surprise. And it was awesome. And of course with 40 and 50 people coming to your surprise birthday party. That means about that many gifts. And that was great. And as I opened each gift. Honest to God. As I opened each gift. No matter where my mother was in the room. She said. Say thank you Mark. (laughs) Did you say thank you Mark? What do you say Mark? Be sure and say thank you Mark. And that was okay except. It was my 22nd birthday. I mean, I wasn't turning three. I was 22 years old. And somehow I had communicated to her in my 22 years of life that I was a totally impolite, ungrateful person. And she's making sure I say thank you. You know, saying thank you does not come natural. Anybody that has young children or have had young children, we have to teach them to say thank you. We have to model gratitude to them, taking Comes natural hoarding comes natural whining comes natural but not saying thanks not this attitude of gratitude and Thanksgiving and you know we're coming into this holiday called Thanksgiving and maybe it's good we have this in America because it kind of does force us to have to really look at being thankful but you know when you've gone through all the preparations and all the plans and all the stuff for Thanksgiving Day when Thanksgiving Day comes you're so frustrated and tired you don't want to thank anybody you just want everybody to go home and leave you alone in fact i heard the story of a man who lived in jacksonville decided he'd call his son in san diego it's the day before thanksgiving and this is what he said he said i hate to ruin your day son but i have to tell you that your mother and i are divorcing 45 years of misery is enough Pop, what are you talking about? The son screamed. We can't stand the sight of each other any longer. The father said, we're sick of each other. And I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Denver and tell her frantic. The son calls his sister who explodes on the phone. No way are they getting divorced? She shouts, I'll take care of this. She called her father in in Jacksonville and immediately screams at her father. You're not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back and we'll both be there Tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And she hung up. The dad hangs up, turns to his wife, and he says, Okay, they're both coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying their own way. (laughs) So there's you another planning tip for Thanksgiving. I think the fact that it doesn't come natural is why God, all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, constantly talks to us about being thankful, about being grateful, about... Giving him praise. You look at the work work of Apostle Paul. In the New Testament. He writes 13 of the 27 New Testament books. And when you look at all the verses that he writes. And compares them to all the other verses. He literally writes most of the New Testament. And in every one of his 13 writings. He makes at least one reference to thanksgiving or being grateful. In fact total about 36 times. Over the course of his writing, Paul talks about the idea of gratitude and thanksgiving. And one of those places is 1 Thessalonians 5. This is verses 16 through 18. In this book, 1 Thessalonians, this is one of the first letters. Many believe it's perhaps the first letter that Paul writes of all of his writings. And he's writing to these folks at Thessalonica, which is located today in modern-day Turkey. And this is what he writes to them in verses 15, verse 5, verse 16 through 18. He says this, rejoice always, pray continually... Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In those three short verses, I would sum them up in one word, and that word would be always. Because the first thing he says is rejoice always. He says always be joyful. The second thing, pray continually. Because to pray continually means to always pray, to be in an attitude of prayer. And then he says give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances would mean that I'm always to be thankful. And just think about this a moment. What if... What if in all of our lives we were a little more joyful and less pessimistic? What if we were a little more prayerful and less worrisome? What if we were a little more thankful and less complaining in our lives? If we just took a little bit of what Paul's writing about, how that might change the attitude and the actions of our lives. But I just want to focus on that last verse about giving thanks In all circumstances. Because it's interesting what he says next. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So many of us want to know the will of God. Well here's one of the aspects of that will. Be thankful in all our circumstances. Two quick observations I want to make. What Paul says about in all circumstances. And what he says about being thankful. Thanking and praising God. Really isn't for God. It's really for us. You see God is not this insecure Old being that needs constant affirmation and attention to feel good about himself. And when we don't give him the attention, he gets his feeling hurt and gets angry and throws lightning bolts at everybody. It's not him. He is totally secure within himself. He does not need our praise and thanksgiving. We need. To thank and praise him, because when Thanksgiving is a part of our lives, you know what happens? It keeps God center in our lives. It keeps us. Dependent upon him. Because when we are thankful in our lives towards God. It is that's saying, I am totally dependent upon him. He is center in my life. And man, that's where true life comes from. In a total place of dependence. And thanksgiving reinforces that. Not to mention studies show that thankful people. They're healthier. They're happier. They're more joyful. They're more productive in our lives. Thanksgiving is more for us. Than it is for him. But then Paul says this thing about in all circumstances really i mean am i supposed to give thanks when a loved one dies am i supposed to give thanks for a broken home and a divorce am i supposed to give thanks for abusive parents am i supposed to give thanks for rebellious children am i supposed to give thanks when i lose my job am i supposed to give thanks for the tragedies and sorrows and sufferings that come into my life is that really what he's saying no it's not what he's saying paul didn't say be thankful for all circumstances what did he say be thankful how? In all circumstances. That's that's very different. It's very different being thankful for versus being thankful in. See, when I'm thankful in all circumstances, you know what that does? I've already said it keeps God center. But it also prevents me from becoming bitter about my circumstances. From becoming broken and overwhelmed and destroyed. By my circumstances, when I can be thankful in them, then I can overcome them. So I want you to understand that going in. So when we talk about being thankful in all circumstances, that means good circumstances and bad circumstances. Aren't you grateful that not all circumstances are bad? We have good circumstances. And you're thinking, you know what? Anybody that's going through good stuff can thank God. I mean, that's easy. Everybody thanks God when it's good. Do we really? I would would beg to differ, perhaps. I think sometimes we have a tendency to let the good stuff that happens in our lives kind of blow by without really thanking God for it. I think the tendency as to why that happens is because we tend to take good for granted. We almost feel entitled at times to good that we feel like it's supposed to happen to us here's what I would say to you in good circumstances. How can we constantly remember to give God thanks even in good circumstances? Here's what I would say. Remember that good is a gift. Can you say that with me? Remember good is a gift. We don't deserve good. We don't earn good. We're not entitled to good. God is good to us because God is good. It's out of his goodness. It's out of his greatness. It's out of his mercy and grace towards us that he does good towards us. We're not entitled to the good of God. God is good because God is good. In fact, we go all the way back to the beginning of time to see the goodness of God towards us. In Genesis chapter 1, where we see the creation account. We see the creation account of humankind. In verse 27 and 28, here's what the writer writes. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then the very next verse, the very next act of God towards us, verse 28, God blessed them. Now, we didn't do anything to earn or deserve God's blessing at that point. He made us and then He blessed us. That's out of the goodness of God. It's a gift to us. And then skipping to verse 31, look what it says. God saw that all that He made and it was what? Say it loud. Very good. You and I are made in the very good category of God. If you go read the creation account on your own, I encourage you, go read Genesis chapter 1. After everything God makes, it always says, and it was good. After he makes you and me, it jacks up. He says, it was very good. You and I are in the very good category of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very good. Now look at him and say, but I'm more very good. But here's what's interesting. You and I took the very good of God and made it very bad. In our sin and rebellion and evil towards God, we took His very good and we made it very bad. But God, who is good, stepped into our very bad so we could be very good again. That's a gift. We don't earn the very good of God. We don't deserve the very good of God. God, out of His love for us, has stepped in and given us a second chance to the person of Christ. He's given us a rescue. He's enabled us to be very good in Him again and to know the very good of God. It's only by God that we even know what good is. And we can be good and we can do good and we can recognize good and we can receive good and we can give good. Because he's good. Thomas Kelly, who is a Quaker, he's he's dead now, he was a Quaker, he was an educator, a writer. I came across, I love what he writes, he says this. He says, we pray for big things and and, and forget to give thanks for the ordinary small, and yet really not small, gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? See, for me, the way I begin to keep the good gift of God in my life to recognize that it is a gift is that the more I can meditate on Him and think about who He is and then I look at who I am and how I so often fail Him and let Him down yet He still is good towards me man, I can't help But give him thanks, because good is a gift. But what about the bad circumstances? How can we always be thankful in the bad times? Well, just as in the good times, we need to remember that good is a gift. We need to also remember that in bad times, although the bad hurts, God heals. Remember that although bad hurts, God heals. How many of you are thankful that God is a healer? We just read it, we just sang about that. This healing presence of God. And what i got to recognize is that in the toughest times of my life, in the most difficult hardships, whatever it may be, God is a healer there to deliver me and to see me through. Now, to give thanks to God in difficult circumstances does not mean to live in a state of denial. It, not, it doesn't mean to live in some type of escape, escapism mentality. Where I'm walking around saying there's nothing bad happened to me. There's nothing uh, bad that's going on. No, 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 no. That's not the idea at all. It doesn't mean to disconnect from reality. No, when we're in bad times, we recognize it's bad. We, we acknowledge that it is bad. Bad is a reality. We just have to keep in mind and remember that as much as bad is a reality, the healing of God is even a greater reality. Therefore, I can give thanks because I know there's healing even in the bad. Well, what's some healing That God can bring even in the bad. And that's what I want to focus on the rest of the time together. Just three quick things about the healing of God. That that we can be thankful for. That he brings to our lives. First of all God's healing. It's just healing that he's with us. He's with us. We sang a lot about that today. That he is present with us. That's the wonderment of God. The beauty of God. Is that man when we were at our worst. He didn't run away from us. He stepped right into the midst of it. And he came to us. And he came to us in the person of Jesus Christ, tasted every form of hurt and pain that you and I have tasted. And now he is with us by the Holy Spirit. We are not abandoned and we are not left alone. God, when you look at Christianity, it's the only religion where God comes to his people as one of his people. It's the only religion. And he comes to taste the very suffering that we go through. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to be with us as the comforter as we walk through continual difficult times in this fallen world. Uh, one of my favorite psalms, I love to read the psalms. It's a great place I love to go to just for my own personal uh, edification and building up. And, and the classic Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms. You know that psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then David, who writes this, writes this verse, which is, which is a great verse to me. It's this verse 4 of Psalm 23. Can you read this out loud with me, please? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that awesome? What a great promise to know God is with me, even in the darkest and deepest of valleys in my life. You know, David was a shepherd and he's writing this song. And he's writing about God using the, the terms of a shepherd, seeing God as the shepherd. As I mentioned, I happened to be in Israel a couple of weeks ago. And in the Judean mountains there in the Judean area of Israel, they're very steep mountains. And that would be a place many shepherds would be leading their flock. David would have been upon those mountains. And they create deep valleys between these mountains. And they're very dark as you get down into the depths of those valleys. Well, shepherds, in order to lead their sheep to greater pasture land, to better drinking water, to lead them to better places that they need to get them to, often has to take them down into these deep, dark valleys. And in those deep, dark valleys, there would be predators. It was very dangerous. There would be wild animals wanting to prey upon the sheep. There would be bandits, thieves that would want to attack and steal. And as they would walk down into this valley, the sheep would get very skittish because it was getting darker and darker. And what the shepherd would do, he would take his staff and his rod, as David talks about, And he would walk beside those sheep and he would touch every one of those sheep with his staff and his rod to let those sheep know the shepherd is with you. And when they would feel the touch of that rod, the touch of that staff, it would calm them down. They would feel safe and secure because they knew the shepherd was with them. I want to tell you the great shepherd is ever with you. There's no darkness that he can't bring his light to. There's no depth of a valley that he can't reach down into the depths of. And he's given us the staff and the rod of his word. His word speaks the truth and the comfort and life that we need. He gives us the staff and the rod of one another. We're the staff and the rod that helps to comfort one another and to help one another and to encourage one another. And we have the staff and the rod of the Holy Spirit that's ever with us. And man, I can be thankful to God in the deepest and darkest valley because I know I'm not alone. My dad tells the story. When he was pastoring here in the Atlanta city, he pastored here in Atlanta for some 37 years. And back in the day, some of the downtown hospitals, Emory and and Grady and those types of hospitals would invite local pastors to serve on what they would call a calling list. Because they didn't have enough chaplains there in the hospital to help pray for some of the people when they needed it. So they would call local pastors one late Friday night. My dad got a call from Grady Hospital. Asking him to come help. And he came to the emergency room. He met the doctors. And the doctor said we have a woman inside this room here. Her little boy I think he was about 6, 7 or 8 year olds. He, he, he said has been shot dead. He got caught in the crossfire of a gang related shooting. Said the woman is distraught. We can't get her away from her son so we can process the body. Can you help us? My dad said I'll do what I can. He didn't know what to do. He walked into the room and there the woman stood. She just was laying over her son who was laying on the gurney. She was just laying over top of him. Dad just walked up quietly and stood beside her. When she would cry, my dad would cry. When she would moan, my dad would moan. When she would scream, my dad would scream. When she would get quiet, my dad got quiet. That went on for about 30, 40 minutes. Finally, the woman just leaned over and kissed her little boy on the cheek. Stood up, gathered her things, walked out in the hall. My dad walked out in the hall with her. And she turned around and looked at my father and said, Sir, I don't know you. She said, but thank you for feeling my pain. See, she was comforted just by having somebody there. Somebody there gave her this amazing sense of comfort and brought out this thanksgiving. Well, let me tell you. We have more than a God who's there to feel our pain. We have a God who's there to heal us of our pain. Man, that's why I can give thanks. Because he's with us. And he's there working in us to even make us better in the tough times coming out than when we went in. And that's the next thing about God's healing. Not only is he with us, but he betters us. He betters us. There's no pain or suffering that happens in our lives that God wastes on us. God uses the pain and suffering of this fallen world to better us, to to bring us out the other side better than when we went in. Boy, Simon Peter got a hold of this. Simon Peter wrote in the New Testament during a time when the church was being totally persecuted. Rome had declared war on Christianity and people were being executed and tortured just because of their faith. And Simon Peter writes his first letter, we call First Peter, to the church being persecuted to encourage them. And look what he says to them in 1 Peter chapter 5. You can write this down and read it on your own later, but it's going to be on the screen. Verses 8 through 10, look what he says. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, he sort of brings it down to the brass tacks. He says, yeah, Rome is the instrument. Rome is the one bringing all this upon us. But let me tell you the power behind it. It's this enemy that wants to destroy our lives. And you and I, when we're walking in that dark valley, we're walking in that bad circumstance, the enemy is laying in the weeds. He's laying in the shadows to undermine what God is wanting to do in our lives. He's there as that lion to pounce upon us. But I love what Peter says next in verse 9. Resist him. Say that. Resist him. Man, I can resist him. In my own strength. No, look what he says next. Standing firm in the faith. And I can resist whatever the enemy 's trying to do to me walking through this valley by the power of the living God, as I stand believing in him, because you know Peter goes on that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings sufferings aren 't you glad to know you 're not the only one in the suffering boat? Everybody in this room has some form of suffering touching their lives. Everyone in this room has some form of pain. everybody in this room has some kind of bad circumstance we 're having to deal with if you don't we don't like you very much i mean every one of us is in a valley somewhere every one of us has something out of sync in our lives that the enemy's trying to take advantage of Boy, that's why we need one another and but look what peter says next i love this verse 10 And the God of all grace, this very good God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That's where we're headed. That's our destiny in Christ Jesus. We have an eternal glory we're going to live in and reflect for all eternity. And what God is doing, even in the deepest and darkest bad circumstances valley, is he's working in us to have the best eternal glory possible. He says he's calling us and working this out. And look what he says after you've suffered a little while, how long? A little while will Himself restore you, make you strong, firm. And steadfast. He says, look, the sufferings you're going through, as great as they are, as overwhelming as they seem, when you look at it compared to the eternal glory that the Lord is working out in you, even in the midst of your suffering, that suffering is a little while compared to its effect in God's hand for eternity in your life. He said, guess what? There's going to come a time. In the midst of where you are. That God himself is going to bring restoration. He's going to bring strength. He's going to bring what you need. And make you firm and steadfast. You can expect it. Wherever you are in this valley. Wherever you may be in the bad circumstance. Let me tell you. Restoration is on its way. The strength and the power of God. It's on its way. He will establish you. Enable you. To not. Fall under the power of the enemy or the hardship of the suffering. Man, I can give him thanks because whatever difficulty I'm going through is not wasted on me. He is going to use it for my greatest good, his greatest glory. I went to visit a man one time several years ago. He had cancer, he had just been told that there was nothing else they could do. They'd done all the chemo, they'd done all the stuff. Barring a miracle, he was going to die. When you come into those situations as a pastor, man, you you, you really don't know what to say. You know, you got all the scriptures you can quote. you got all the things you can say. But, you know, sometimes that just kind of rings hollow. You're just kind of there trying to see what, what can you best do to help this person. And I'll never forget what this man said to me. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, this is the way I see it. If God heals me of this cancer, then I will dedicate my life to proclaiming the greatness of his healing. I will dedicate my life to talking about the miracle healing he has done in my life that more people might know this healing God. He said, If the Lord doesn't heal me, but he continues to let me live in this life and I just have to deal with this cancer, I will dedicate my life to be a living testimony of what it means to know God's grace in the midst of suffering. He said, But if he chooses not to heal me and I die, then I'm going to go be with him forever, which is where I'm going anyway, and that's my, what my destiny is all about. You know what he said to me, Pastor Mark, the way I see it? I can't. Lose. Wow. Why? Because he knew. That no matter where he was. God's healing was present. To better. Who. And what he was. I can give thanks. Because he betters me. In the midst. Of bad circumstances. Lastly. God's healing. He's with us. He betters us. But he heals through us. He heals through us. I want to tell you something. I've been pastoring a long time. I'm into 30 plus years of ministry pastoring. I've walked through a lot of people, through a lot of suffering, through a lot of hardship, through a lot of difficulty. People who find themselves in those difficult places, find themselves walking through tough times... The way the enemy loves to work on them is to make them feel they're too broken, they're too messed up, they're too disfigured, they're too bad for God to use them. And I want to say to you, that is a lie from the enemy. Wherever I am in a bad circumstance, in a difficult place, does not disqualify me for God's use in my life. In fact, it better qualifies me for God to use me. He wants to heal through us, even in our difficult places. Paul writes about this. 1 Corinthians 1, 3-4. This is what Paul writes. And Paul knew suffering, man. He was imprisoned a couple of times. He was shipwrecked. He was without food for a lot of times. He didn't have a place to sleep a lot of times. Go read 2 Corinthians 11, man. He just lays out everything he's been through. He knew suffering. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 1 3 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Listen to what he says. Man, I can give praise to God because of what I'm dealing with, because of the comfort that he gives to me. He's with me. He's bettering me. He's bringing healing into my life. But not only that, he wants to use the very comfort that he's brought into my life and my troubles to go through me to touch the lives of other people. I can actually be a healing agent of God in the midst of the difficulty that I find myself in. Man, That is awesome. That is awesome. Because the tendency, I know in my own life, when I find myself going through difficult places, I find myself going through hardship, I tend to make it all about me. I get focused on me. I get focused on the problem. I get focused on what's wrong. I get focused on the situation. I get focused on all about me. And I forget to see how God might want to use me in the midst of all that to actually bring healing and help to somebody else's life. You know, I think, Truly sincere, grateful people make the greatest servants of all. You know, I can be thankful, but not grateful. How do you do that? I can just be polite and telling you thank you. But in my heart, I'm not really grateful for what you have done. I'm being polite. But I'm not sure I'm really being grateful sometimes. But people who are truly grateful. Truly grateful for what others might do for them? Truly grateful for that? Man, when they say thank you, they're not only saying thank you for the good that's being done, they're saying thank you because I recognize a servant has served me. See, I think grateful people are the greatest servants of all because they recognize what servanthood is. See, I would encourage all of us if we're in that difficult place to not just focus on me and focus on the situation and focus on what's wrong with me, what's wrong with what somebody else has done, what's wrong with the circumstance, but to say, okay, God, here I am. I give this to you. I'm going to stand fast in you and I'm going to give you thanks. And God, I'm going to make myself available in the midst of all of this to help other people with the help that you're bringing into my life. Mark Batterson. He's a pastor and author. I love what he writes. This simple little sentence. He says, don't let what's wrong with you. Keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Oh man, I love that. Let's don't let what's wrong with the situation, what's wrong with what somebody did to me, what's wrong with what somebody didn't do to me, what's wrong with what I've done. Let's don't let the wrong of that rob us of seeing what's so right with God and great with God and allow what's right and great with God to come to us and through us into the lives of other people. See, the enemy would want to rob me of that opportunity. And get me focusing on me and the bitterness of what's been done. And the anger of what somebody said or didn't say. And just get focused on the wrong and miss all that's right with God. And man, what he wants to do in me, even in this broken place. The birthday party, surprise birthday party I made reference to in the opening of this message. I mentioned it was my 22nd birthday. It was also the first birthday we celebrated after my brother was killed in a head-on collision in November the 29th, 1980. That surprise party was April 15th, 1981. Man, one of the places I learned, not that I'm an expert, still learning. But one of the places that I began to learn about how God uses us as a healing agent, even in our own brokenness, was from my mom and dad. You see, my my brother was three years older than me. But his birthday was only three days after mine. I was born April 15, 1959. He was born April 18, 1956. So to celebrate my birthday on April 15th meant... There he was. And he was gone. And I went to my mom and dad. I said, look. don't, Don't celebrate my birthday. I don't want you to celebrate my birthday. I know there's a lot of pain. Paul's birthday is right around. I, don't, I Just don't just do it. And I was sincere about it. I wasn't trying to get attention or be some super spiritual martyr. It wasn't, that wasn't it. I sincerely don't worry. I know you love me. Don't worry about giving me a party. Not only did they celebrate my birthday, they made it a surprise birthday party, invited all the people that are the closest and mean the most to me. you know they had to be hurting because their oldest son was gone and his birthday was going to be in three. You know. But you know what they were saying to me? Mark, we're not going to let what's wrong with the death of your brother and the wrong of the pain. We're not going to let that wrong rob us. Of doing right by you. The pain of your lost brother. Is not going to stop us from being. Your parents. Man you talk about. A tool of healing for me. Bad circumstances hurt. to bow our head and close our eyes. In in, in praying for this message and just seeking God about it, And, and I know you hear people that speak like I'm speaking right now say that a lot, and that might sound trivial and trite, and at the risk of sounding that way, sincerely just... Seeking the Lord about what to bring. To Canton campus on this day. And this message. I, I really felt in that. That there would be people here who. Not just needed to hear what this message was saying. But to to be prayed for. For healing. To to be prayed for. To, to know that the presence of God is with them. To know that he's bettering them. To know that he's there. To, to actually use them. To bring healing to others lives. But to know the healing of God and maybe some of you you're walking through something that happened years ago but there's a great hurt from that past and you may be thinking you know what nobody ever reached out to me for healing nobody ever reached out to me to be a healing agent and and I get that but maybe God has brought you to this place today to let us reach out to you as healing agent of him to receive his healing presence and power here today How many of you be honest before me and say, Pastor Mark, you know what? I am walking through a bad circumstance. I'm walking through the dark valley. And I would like for you to pray for me. I need the healing presence of God. Would you raise your hand and be honest and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a next step of faith, if you will. And simply come down here and let us pray with you. There's going to be some folks, a team of people men and women, who are going to come down. I'm going to invite that team to come down very quickly, if you would, please. Just right here to this, right in front of this stage. Sean and our worship band are going to sing. You raised your hand. I I know this may be awkward, but I'm just going to invite you to fight that awkwardness. Let us be the staff and rod of God to you right now. Let the presence of the Lord do what He wants to do in you right now. They're in that place we believe the healing of God is here I'm going to invite everybody to stand if you would please Sean's going to begin to sing he's going to sing about the healing presence of God you raised your hand I'm going to invite you to step out right now without any more hesitation To step out right now come down to one of these folks and let them pray with you you raised your hand you are in that place you need healing step out come right now come right now Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Just like Simon Peter said, man, we are all in this together. You come. And let's believe and pray for one another right now. Let's sing this out as a statement of faith. As a dedication of prayer. We're making the decision. You're all I need in this moment invite you that are standing out there if it's convenient for you just to take the hand of the person on your left and on your right can we just be a community right now for those of you maybe this is your first time with us i know that may feel a little awkward we believe we're in this thing together now i'm going to invite every one of us you may not know that person's hand you're holding that's okay you may know them intimately well i want you to begin just to pray for that person on your left and right Just pray for God's healing, for God's blessing. Pray for thanksgiving to be the attitude of their lives, to really just overtake their lives while praying for these at this altar as well. Can we do that one for the other right now? Father God, in the name of Jesus, recognizing that we all walk through the valley of the shadow, recognizing that there's difficulties that come in every one of our lives. We acknowledge the reality that you are good and you are great. We acknowledge that you are our healer and you're our deliverer. We acknowledge, God, that there's nothing too difficult for you. As we just sang, nothing is impossible with you. So, Father, we pray for your blessings to rest upon those on the left and the right. We pray for your healing presence and power. We pray, God, we will be people of thanksgiving in good circumstances and bad circumstances. God, we thank you that you have gifted us with good. You do great things, God. May we never take that for granted, but may we always give you thanks for it, Father. And in the difficult places, God, give us a a, a thanksgiving heart that we know you're with us, we know you better us, and God, enable us to recognize you want to use us as your healing agents in the lives of other people. Father, we pray for those right now that have come forward. We pray now in the name of Jesus, the work has been done. We believe together, healing has come for one purpose, your praise, your glory, and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God praise and thanks right now? Give him praise. Amen. Amen. You can be seated.